1: Milikov, Hey, B I'm glad we're doing this podcast on Sunday because Monday, uh, I don't know. It's supposed to be 87 degrees in the city, John. and whew, I don't know what I, I'm. I might. My brain might short circuit. What's it today? Uh, I think it's like 84.
0: You know what? You guys aren't ready for is that when you live in a normal climate like I do, you don't have air conditioning. So it's just. The air conditioning just doesn't exist now. Granted, it doesn't need to exist. Where people like me, you can't function without it, and uh, I, I'm just I'm equipped for yeah, the heat. You're living, in, you're live living
1: in, in 2019, heat. but you're also yeah. living in 2019, like
0: but you never feel the heat for the most part,
1: right? It but when it comes, I'm living in 1955, right? Like, most. You're like, most people don't worry, really worry about the temperature. You just, oh, my bill's going to go up this month. Like, but you're not, your life, you, in and out to your car. You just stay inside that day. Not Haberman, blue collar.
0: But in fairness. Yeah. And in reality also, while you're living in 1955, probably a couple days this week.
1: 1923, I think the building was built. So
0: You are sharing it with every other person next to you. And there are a lot of people with a lot more cash than you that are living just as miserable as you are right that are paying way more money for sweet places
1: yeah i wonder if they have ac to me
0: i don't know exactly what new york's like but at least we know for a fact it's one of the most crazy housing markets in the history of the world in the bay area and everyone's kind of in the same boat (laughs) right maybe some people i guess if they bought have probably added like individual units just for a pinch yeah i would imagine yeah maybe maybe not
1: Twice my my uh, right now I've had twice in the last year and a half the AC in my car has just been funky, and uh, I took it to the mechanic
0: yesterday. He's
1: like, "Oh, we couldn't recreate it." I'm like, "Well, Monday." Couldn't will be recreate. The
0: day. You don't have any AC anymore.
1: No, no, no. The AC works like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, except twice in the last year and a half it hasn't. One of them was on the drive back from Pebble a couple weeks ago.
0: How bad was it?
1: I just had the windows open, so it wasn't that bad. But it was hot; hot air was blowing, John. So yeah, I don't know if we're what's going on Friday when we go to Pebble for the U.S. Open. <laughs> Tiger tees off, uh, I think eight twenty-four Pacific time.
0: I, I, I got. Uh, I, I'm working. I'm working the back channels. Yep. I got a couple people on the line. We're interested. We might have a limo service take us down. Okay. Uh, so don't, but I, I can't guarantee it. And bring us back. It, it would be a yes. I mean, it would be a, it'd be a, you know, round trip. You know, it wouldn't be a one way. Uh, so we'll see. You know, it could, it could be, it could be pretty. It was gonna be sweet no matter what. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be a zoo down there though, guy. It's I know. Gonna
1: be I, a I'll admit, I don't know. I have any idea what the parking situation is, but we'll be there Friday.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's good. That's why I, uh, that's why I'm attacking it this way.
1: Uh, Mike McGlinchey. Is on the podcast today. Heard of him, Mike McGlinchey, John? We've been talking about this pod for a while. Where I guess a week and a half since we, or week since we recorded it last week. George Kittle was on. Um, people are still tweeting at White Claw, I see, which is great. And um, had, we,
0: we've had uh, some back channel work with them too, so we'll see. Got to follow up with them tomorrow.
1: Irons in the fire, baby.
0: <laughs> and shit's going down.
1: I might need some White Claw tomorrow when it's 87 degrees. I might to go load up.
0: I actually ran into some uh, the other day when I was at Safeway. Saw so, him. Um, yeah. Not gonna buy it just yet. Oh, I, mean, that, I, that was, I, it. I
1: thought there was more to that. Uh, yeah,
0: I, and I, I, just, and I, I bought I kept, it. It's delicious. <laughs> I, I kept on moving. Right. <laughs> yeah, no free. No free advertising here. Free here. Nothing free.
1: Um. All right. So we'll get to KD here in a moment. The uh, NBA season on the brink. Last week when we were talking about going to Pebble, we were debating if we should go Thursday or Friday, and. I said, well, can't go Thursday, Game Six, the NBA Finals.
0: I mean, you think the Warriors are really going to go out in four-one, though?
1: N- no, but maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where I'm kind of at.
1: Like to me, Game Five. Well, we'll get to this. I, I the, well, I'll just tell you, Game Five is either the Warriors win or they lose by twenty-seven.
0: Oh yeah, you for uh, Rory there? Sixty-one for, 61 for Rory. Yeah, you, uh, you don't lose in a Game 5 situation of a closeout game and lose like by two points. You get rolled, right? Or it, you win. It's
1: one of those where it's like...
0: It's an all-or-nothing proposition.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, this podcast, we'll get to that in a moment, but first we'll tell you this podcast is brought to you by EaseWellness.com, promo code HAM, nationwide CBD shipments, ease wellness that's e-a-z-e wellness.com promo code am
0: just went to the website guy curated cbd products for any lifestyle uppers downers sleep enhancements they have the vape pens they have i what i'm a big fan of is the drops the drops you just put a little on your tongue guy dropy drop and then you go night night or you can get the ones that have a little mm, something to them so you're like whoa just had a double shot of cbd (laughs) and you're ready to roll I would highly recommend trying all the – I mean, they have something for everyone. And the best part is if you go to easewellness.com, you – unlike ease.com, which was just focused in California as the expansion keeps going on, Ease Wellness nationwide, two- to three-day drop shipment in front of your house guy. And, uh, yeah, promo code HAM, you get $20 off your first purchase, and over $50, you get a free delivery. We've all ordered stuff, and you're like – Oh, I got something for however many dollars, and then the delivery charge. Like, oh my god, it's like the same price as what I bought. Not with promo code HAM, guy.
1: H A M promo code HAM promo yes. code HAM. Pretty simple. Woo! Uh, and this podcast is brought to you by my bookie. Perfect time. NBA Finals Game Five. Pebble Beach U.S. Open. Rory McIlroy rolling. My bookie a g the promo code is ham and the numeral one and they'll match your deposit 50 percent bonus uh, if you want it
0: well i think the bet tomorrow would probably be the raptors uh so i'd already move on i, I don't like uh don't like betting against Stephen clay so i'm just not going to touch i do think there's some pretty interesting bets here coming up guy right around the corner teeing off thursday thursday morning the united states open
1: mm, our nation is on the line
0: the heavy favorite
1: can we win something My, this week please? If Canada well, who, if Canada's well, going to win who the final.
0: Who do you, you want to bet on? Do you want to go Kepka? 6 to 1. Those are pretty shitty odds. I'd say you know, anything probably 10 to 1 or under is not a great golf bet. But Dustin Johnson at 8 to 1, he's historically played pretty well here. You know, if it wasn't for Kepka, you would view Dustin Johnson who I think actually is the number 1 player in the world, but you'd go, yeah, he's just playing the best. He's been pretty unreal this year. Uh Rory Pretty hot. You get him as of right now, twelve to one. Tiger eleven to one. You know, is Tiger gonna win? I was gonna say back to back majors, but we've had a second major already, huh? So this would be the third major of the year. You know, one guy that actually is kind of made the last time they played this tournament there, the U.S. Open at Pebble, was in two thousand ten. It's not. You don't need to be a long hitter. Graham McDowell won it. He's It's playing. more about yeah. It's more about hitting fairways Obviously. and good iron play. You know, you putting on the Poana. So I I'm looking oh, yeah. for him right now. Is uh, my, my guy Kucher? Can't quite find him, but he's somewhere. I think you can get him pretty good odds. Guy, was it Kucher? I was um, forty-five I, to one. I, I kind of like I kind of like Kucher forty-five to one.
1: I consumed some um, some of this uh, Sunday golf today, asleep. So I heard some of the stuff half asleep, and I did hear a comment. You just rattled my brain about somebody who was historically a great putter on the Poiana. Yeah, it was Kucher. It was Kucher. Okay.
0: Yeah, it was cooch. I think the guys like Kuchar, Webb Simpson, just these guys that are just kind of slow, steady. There's, they're going to be in the mix. Like the phenals, the guys that I liked for, uh, for like Augusta, just letting it rip. It's kind of a different golf course here. Haberman, you know, just running with the elites has played it.
1: I'll be giving it's, some tips. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you, what do we got? Crazy fairway, small, small greens. Yep. Keep it to these the left
1: start, up here. Keep it to the left.
0: You know, another thing I want can we get promo code HAM screamed out when the major golfers are going? We have talked about it before. We will, If you're there, do it. And we will record it and then play it.
1: Yeah, and if you're there, hit us up. Maybe we can all yell together in one hole.
0: Yeah, man, we'll, we'll buy you some White Claws. So, uh, they got White
1: Claw at the U.S. Open?
0: Uh, maybe. Did they just hand Rory a Kawhi Leonard jersey?
1: I think they just gave him the yes. That's what it appears to be. It appears to be a Raptors jersey.
0: Yeah, maybe it says Rory on the background.
1: It better. You I don't think, think it, it says Boardman. Boardman.
0: You think it says McIlroy?
1: I don't know. I can't tell.
0: Yeah. So Tony Finau, I'm out on DeChambeau. Out on Speith, I want to be in on, but I just don't quite believe quite yet. But yeah, I mean, it's I love betting on the U.S. Open. Promo code Ham One. Promo code Ham One. All right.
1: Uh, Are you betting on Kevin Durant's return? Durant practiced with the Warriors on Sunday. For the first time since his injury, he had ice on his right calf when he left practice on Sunday. According to reports, Durant did not have a noticeable limp. Uh, a lot's been written about this, and a lot of it good. I, I, We've been talking that we don't think he's playing. Um, I'm not sure that he's playing now, but... For the first time in the series, I feel like he actually, actually might play. What do you yeah, think?
0: Well, let's call it what it is. The elephant in the room the last 48 hours has kind of been that he tapped out. That the warrior, that I guess the warrior's view that he tapped out. Or is not quite all in. And I've been thinking a lot about this. When you hire, you know, the equivalent of what this was. A mercenary who's not emotionally tied. Like, I think in game four, did I, one thing that can't be understated is how borderline heroic Looney's effort was. Dude broke his fucking collarbone, shot that thing up, strapped it up, and went out and made plays. And he's a guy that, unlike all the guys he's playing with, has never made any money. Relative, I mean, he makes more money than like me or you or whatever, making like $1.5 million. But NBA money, he's about to be a free agent. If he were to shatter his collarbone and never be the same, right, it would his career would be over. And he would not have made any money. But he went to war for the Warriors. Why? Because Steph, Clay, Steve Kerr, Bob Meyer, these guys all mean a lot to him. Like, let's call it what it is. When you're kind of an outsider and you come in, it's easy to be all in when things are sweet. But then things get a little weird and you know you're leaving. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to just go to war. Like, you're right. not on the same wavelength as Clay and Looney. So when these stories are coming out, to me, it's very understandable. Like, yeah. There, There's an imminent divorce here. If you're getting divorced, you're not going to war for your significant other. Like, like if you ask Looney right now, Kevon Looney, where do you hope you play next year? Do you think he'd even hesitate? I want to be a warrior. I just hope they pay me. Like, this is where I want to be. Where if Kevin Durant wouldn't touch that question with a 50-foot pole, because he's gone. He's got two feet out the door, which is fine. And when things are good, he's kicking ass and taking names. But it's pretty clear that the Warriors viewed that he could have gone game four and he didn't. That's why everyone keeps saying, and I, I under- completely understand. It's 50-50. And it feels like he's going to. I don't know, man. I just... Weird shit happens with Kevin. Like, would you be shocked if you read Chris Haynes' Kevin Durant has decided he's got to give it a couple more days. Yeah,
1: tried warm. to give it a go in warm... I don't even see him doing that, giving it a go in warm-ups. Well, here's what, I mean, I'm with you. So, I... I uh, we've already done this thing where we thought he was about to practice, and he didn't. Um, and given what Kawakami wrote in The Athletic, given what Sam Amick wrote in The Athletic, given a lot of what Kawakami tweeted after the article about his – his like, clearly there's more than he can write and say on the record because he tweeted mul- excuse me multiple times. He's confident that the article – he just kept saying, I'm confident this article will wear well or something – I don't know if that was his exact verbiage, but yeah, something along those lines. Said,
0: yeah.
1: Um. So I think there's because I think he's trying to convey a message without yeah.
0: kind of throwing the main guys under the bus. So, uh, you know, if if
1: if the emotion around the situation is what you describe, Kevin returning in and of itself, even if he let's just talk about the scenario where he returns, even if he returns, and I agree with you at this point, like I'll believe it when I see him on the court. Even though I am, I kind of. I'm just more open, mind to it, open minded to open minded the possibility, even if he returns. There's no guarantee that it goes great. I don't think him does him being on the floor to you guarantee they win on Monday because it does No, but, but it,
0: it can only help because he can at least just shoot.
1: Well, it can only help because you don't without him and the way these guys are playing, you just don't think they can come back from a three one. So in that yeah. way, it can help. But it can like to me if they if it was two two. I would agree that it can only help, but in the end they'll get a game. Even if they lose that game, they're down three, two, it'll four quarters with Kevin. And I don't know. It could be weird. They've played a ton together. So maybe if it's weird, it wouldn't be weird for long.
0: Yeah. See, to me, to me, the bigger issue is, and I think these things started to creep up, started to creep up and everyone kind of poo pooed them. Like one narrative that was growing like the last, I don't know, couple weeks is why is this guy not on the bench? Why is he not on the bench? And at first it was like, ah, he's not on the bench, whatever. But then it started to be like, Looney's always on the bench. Uh, Clay's always on the bench. You know who else on the bench when his quad blew up? Boogie's on the bench. And in Middlecoff's, you know, journalistic dating history who knew someone, might have gone out with someone, that knows some people. And she told me that one of the things that she had heard was that the one thing that Boogie, like the players, Boogie's kind of nuts, right, that he has a, Kind of a history and a resume of people talking negatively about him. But he's really been, I think, embraced by this Warriors team. And the one thing that I'd heard they really respected, that even when Boogie like blew out his quad, he was all in, like totally present. Like he wants to be part of this team. Like he he views himself as part of this team, right? Not as an outsider. Sits on the bench. And even when he came back and kind of shit the bed these last couple games, The players have 100% respect for him just like doing everything he possibly could to get back on the floor because they knew this guy, they need him, you know, in theory. (laughs) And obviously Clay and Looney, it speaks for themselves. Kevin's nowhere to be found. And there is something. Well, to to
1: be fair, he's not no. I mean, he's in the locker room, in the hallway.
0: Nowhere to be found on the bench. When every other other guys have been on the bench and they've all worked to come back. And like, to me, it's not even arguable. Looney should not have played. I should not have played. But like, Looney was really hurt, right? When he played in Game Four, and I think there's got to be some guys on the team like, what the fuck is this? What what is going on? Like this is, and this to me is kind of defined. Kevin. Now they've been so good, they've won, but it's just always something with the guy. Like I I could understand if you're Steph Iguodala or even Draymond, it's got to just wear you out. Now. We've talked about this many times. They're not dumb. They know how good he is. They yeah, know that's they... why
1: I, I would say, I do feel like, even though I think we're, we're, like, 99.9, I think we're probably 100% on the same page, all the stuff we've talked about with Kevin over the years. Um, but I almost feel like I have to defend him a little, just in the sense that, like, this is part of what defines him. The other part of what defines him is that he is an absolutely dominant basketball
0: player. But no right. one would ever argue that point, right?
1: But I'm not even, I don't think this is actually arguable either. All the stuff about... You know, you like there's just so much smoke on this and there has been over the course of his Warriors career that you can't argue that it's weird, that it's not weird either. Like, I think all these things are pretty well established. Um, I'm just saying I do think we have to be fair to like part of what defines him is that he is part of why we care about how weird it is sometimes is because he's a legendary talent. Yeah. I, I know you know that. I think everyone listening to uh, that. I, I'm but here.
0: I'm saying that it feels currently, and it has over this last little stretch, like he's an outsider again.
1: You know, like he's just... Yeah. No, I'm, I don't debate that. He's
0: just not quite on board. And with I do With what don't know. is
1: historically, uh, in terms of, like, great teams, what seems to be one of the easier teams to just be on board with.
0: Well, if you can't get along with, like, Steph Clay, like, who can you get along with? And Steve, you know, I... I, I do think, though, Guy, that there are going to be some questions. Let's say they lose tomorrow, they get smoked. Let's say he doesn't play. There's going to be some things that come out like he quit on them. I mean, that's inevitable. Did they, did, did they view it? People internally in the Warriors, that he kind of tapped out on him. And the one thing that won't be arguable when he leaves is, we he had a foot out the door, did, the question is, did he have two feet out the door? Because we, we know he's been dipping his feet in the, in the other water for a long time now. Uh, and this decision regardless what rich Kleiman is wants to say to me is bullshit like he knows where he's going which is fine that's his pro that's his, it's his for him to do but it won't really be arguable like did he not feel like really stretching it out for these guys when he knows he was gone because to me that article's coming if they get smoked i'd say whether he plays or not but if he plays it'll be a little harder if he if he if he he's out there like limping around you're like okay he's giving them something he's trying yeah, you
1: know, one thing, um, I think it was Amick, it was either Amick or Kawakami, one of the things they wrote about the Raptors was just how, I think they used the phrase, like, hyper-focused they are, which I mean, you, you kind of assume everybody in the finals is hyper-focused, but they seem like they are as locked in as as you can be. And it doesn't, you know, I think part of the question is, if the Warriors don't win without Kevin, and it's trending that way, to say the least, part of the question is, what, in what ways did he detract from their ability to win a championship um once he was out like was there this internal belief that hey we only have to hold on to this rope for two more games cuz kevin is coming back and then when kevin doesn't come back does that have an adverse effect on your team and is that part of what happened to them the other night um i think that'll be part of that debate too and I think in the end, really, the Raptors are a really good basketball team, and these injuries, you just... Like, the Warriors at full strength have a chance to win this series. Without, like, without Kevin, but Clay at full, Iguodala full, Looney at full, I think they can win the NBA Finals, but that's not who they are right now. Um, and so that's where Kevin maybe gets off the hook a little bit. But...
0: Well, I mean, they were an enormous favorite to win the Finals but when everyone just assumed he was coming back.
1: Yeah, I'm saying I think without him, but with everyone else healthy, they can they they
0: could have won the finals.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying they would have, but they could have.
0: If like Boogie had been 100 percent healthy, Looney was 100 healthy, Clay didn't miss a game. I agree, it would have been much more difficult. Probably go six or seven games, but it, to me, it's much more of a coin flip. Then, like to me, that odds of if the Warriors are completely healthy and that's just the Raptors team, both teams should be like even odds, right? The Warriors shouldn't be heavily favored. They probably would be just because they're the Warriors, but now knowing what we know, the Raptors are an even foe, because I mean Kawhi Leonard is—he's having one of the most historical playoffs we've ever seen in the NBA. In NBA With,
1: yeah, like you, you, uh, you tweeted this Saturday, I think Friday or Saturday. I saw it Saturday. And I thought it was a great point. Like, thank you, thank you. In the NFL,
0: <laughs> in the NFL, <laughs> I feel like I, I, I wish. Instead of people tweeting you like compliments for your tweet, you could occasionally just get like a voicemail like, "John, you know, I saw your tweet from three days ago and <laughs> God, it really hit home for me."
1: <laughs> it was one of those in case you missed it email tweets and uh, it curated for me. No, but it was the um, the one I got alerted to on Saturday, Sunday because I think get a lot of replies was the Greg Papa video. I got I got that one like the in case you missed it, John tweeted, and it was the video of p- Greg Papa in a 49ers polo shirt not coming somehow not coming out of his own skin um no but the tweet i liked and i thought it was good was that like i think we all acknowledge in football the team that wins the championship sometimes isn't the best team who cares <laughs> like it's just winning the super bowl is the goal you don't get another title on top of that that it's like and also everyone agrees was the best team and in baseball like, I don't think Giants fans get defensive and people are like, You
0: weren't even the best team in twenty ten. Yeah, who who cares? What, what? Well, I, I think that's one of the points of pride, right? All three World Series teams, you'd argue they were never the best world they were never the best team on paper. But in basketball, it's like, well, we had Del Kyrie was out. Basketball, yeah.
1: it's always about and, and honestly, like I feel this way about the King the early Kings. Like they should have won a title. And I think this Warriors team, I'm like, Well, I know they would have won if they were full strength. Well, so what? It doesn't and I do feel that way, but you don't get a you don't get a ring for that, so who cares?
0: What, well, but guy, I would imagine and NBA Twitter does this more than any. It tries to discredit titles. You could do that all the time. Of with course, you could. title season, like you could do that. No one, and I repeat, no one is taking anything away from the Raptors right now. But how easy would it be to take something away from them? You know, Kevin Durant hasn't played a fucking game in the in the title, or I mean, in the in the series yet. And there's a chance that he might not play one minute. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big deal, right?
1: How about Hakeem's two rings?
0: Oh, uh, that one guy was uh, playing outfield for the Chicago White Sox. You ever heard of that guy? Now, the the Houston Rockets guys will tell you, like Kenny Smith, we were we had the best record against Michael for the previous, like, three years. They played him really well, which is fine. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not discrediting your titles, you know? Like, what about the, when the Warriors won their title in love and Kyrie got hurt? Well, then the next year... I could diminish. the. They were up 3-1 when Draymond got suspended because LeBron called Adam Silver. You know? I, we could play the game the following year that... Well, the could Warriors just do this do game play, all day long.
1: The Warriors do play that game. The what? The LeBron... Draymond suspended thing.
0: But I think at the end of the day, you just tip your hat, we've won three or four. Yeah. I, I, what, what I think it's played the most of like the last decade is that people talk about the Warriors like they don't have a championship without Kevin. And I do get why that irks Warriors fans. Like, fuck you, bro. We won the championship in 2015. We won it. Steph, if Kevin Durant never shows up, worst case scenario, he has two MVPs and a championship. If his career ended that year, like he has the championship. So if you're going to discredit Steph, then what do you say about James and Dame Lillard and Chris Paul? <laughs> like, what? I mean, those guys can't get out of the second or third round ever. Like, Steph— has a ring as the alpha by himself to me that championship it feels like gets discredited more than any of them at least it feel again i kind of live in that little world we should you feel that way um no
1: i feel like the ones with kevin get discredited more
0: yeah well i I think when you say those get discredited, it's like, yeah, it's so easy for you. To me, it was like, oh, you only won because
1: Kyrie broke his knee. But I think only Cavs fans, like. well, I I shouldn't say
0: only Cavs fans, but... Yeah, Um, I... I, I, If you win a title, you win a title. Does Jeff Bezos apologize for buying out businesses because he has more money than other companies that also try to buy that business? No. He just, he dominates. Does George Steinbrenner, before he died, ever apologize for winning all those championships? No. He was the fucking Yankees. You know, it's just like everyone has advantages usually that win. Let's Sometimes not,
1: John, let's not talk like the series is over yet. We still have Monday.
0: But it does feel over. If Kevin comes back. he's. I just saw his list is questionable for the game. So that's what's well, questionable, like 25%. It's not 50.
1: Um. Well, I thought doubtful was 25. Uh, are there percentages attached to it?
0: Well, I thought probable 75, right? Which would so be questionable
1: 50-50, and then doubtful is 25? Is that what it is, maybe?
0: I, I always thought in my head doubtful was like 7%. Like very highly unlikely. Yeah. And questionable was under 50.
1: Makes, to I know me, they, questionable doesn't feel like it should be 50-50, but...
0: No, you're right. But it, now when you do it in the line, it, well, it has to be 50-50. But when you say questionable... You don't feel like, oh yeah, yeah, he has a de-, like to me like decent chance. What well, would decent chance be like? Sixty percent?
1: De- yeah, decent chance. Decent chance to me is like seventy.
0: Yeah, yeah. To me, then probable almost sounds like eighty-five, right? Yeah, probable is like if you don't play, what happened? Yeah. Well, doesn't it feel like the Warriors almost felt that Kevin was probable like two weeks ago, or I mean two days ago? Yeah. I, I personally. And they're not going to win this. I'm ready for Kevin to leave, and just go spread his own wings and just watch him from afar. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe I'm on a boat by myself on this one, but
1: well, but I again, somebody, we've talked about it. Like we're in it for different reasons than other people sometimes.
0: I, I I do think like a diehard Warriors fan, he's worn them out a little bit because the ninety, the probable version of the drama coming from the Warriors usually is surrounded by thirty five right like most of the stories are not like, you know what Clay, Clay and Ron Adams clashed again. Looney 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 will not engage with Bob Myers on contract talk. I, I can't even make up stories where you're like that's even believable. like Steph just refuses to rotate when Ron Adams has a certain defense, it's always Kevin and it's always rich Kleinman, and well, it, it's just always guy
1: you put sh- sh- couldn't you make the case like that's good for the it's good for podcasts and it's good for clicks.
0: Always well, great. I mean, again, I'm not totally— That you,
1: not, that you, are, you, are, you are rooting for—against your business interests?
0: But, but I think it's at the point now where I just—remember Kaepernick? I mean, even before he ever knelt was the story they kept on giving, and you and I got to the point where, like, guy, I, I can't talk about Kaepernick anymore. And that was before he ever fucking knelt. I got to tell you,
1: I feel like I got a lot more Kevin than me, if I had to. I feel I differently mean, I, about I, this story than that one.
0: I do too, but it's a it's approach that a little bit. I understand. Me. I'm just where no, I, I'm just
1: I, worn out. I get it. I feel you. We each, we all get our we are we, taking our turns getting worn out by because here's the other Twitter thing. Twitter sometimes.
0: I also think with Kevin even more than Kaepernick, and again I'm talking Kaepernick, the player pre-Neil, was most of Kevin's conversation are not like Jesus Christ, this guy's unstoppable. <laughs> you right? It's always this off the court drama. It's just and but and, but it's stupid off the court drama. It's like he got in a fight with pj tucker they exchanged blows like you know uh, no it's something with rich climate and some leak it's just it's just unbearable for me at this point I can't, I can't do it anymore game
1: five monday night i'm pumped john you're pumped i might get some white cloth for it all right um NFL we're gonna play McGlinchy coming up in a minute first though out of the left field came an nfl gm firing over the weekend did you see that one coming Bill O'Brien, Bob. No,
0: no, I did not. Did you,
1: Bob, with the hammer? No. Like because the part that I'm confused by is, isn't this his guy? Like I know why him and Rick Smith battled,
0: but doesn't it feel like he's the closest thing to Harbaugh since Harbaugh in the NFL? Like, can, can he get along with anybody, guy? Because it doesn't quite feel that way. that's
1: interesting. Um,
0: it's a little different doesn't uh, it's not perfect apples to apples No but,
1: but I think your your point is just like the end game is the same Hardball won more obviously but but Bills won enough where you're like we can't just even if he's difficult
0: You know you know what my theory is guy on why this happened at the time which it happened was I like this
1: theory. I think this is a good theory. Have you tweeted, have you tweeted
0: this theory? I tweeted it at one of the Houston guys. Yeah, good tweet then. Oh, I really yeah, like that tweet. That I just think that what it's Sunday, June 9th, so he got fired three days ago. Like when the Jets fired him, McCagnan, it didn't necessarily felt like it had to do with one move or another. Like they hadn't even been practicing. Maybe they had like a week of practice. It felt more like this guy's just weighing over his head. This is crazy. We gotta get rid of him. It, it honestly it made some sense. Even though the timing was a little weird. I would say if you get fired in mid June when you're I think the Jets might even be on summer break now, or maybe they have – yeah, their mandatory minicamp was last week. So unless they have a voluntary one after a mandatory one, which is pretty unlikely, they, they're they just done. Uh, when it came to the Texans, I think that they've had their practices for the last month. And even though Bill O'Brien hired this GM, I would imagine maybe Bill's like, okay, I'll let this guy pick the players. And he kind of fucked up. I mean, he to me, the biggest blunder on draft night was getting jumped by Howie. Uh, to get the offensive Andre tackle Diller. from Washington State. And if you listen to Howie and those guys talk, not in a mil- they, they weren't really locked in on Andre Dillard because they never thought he'd be there. And by the time he got to 20, it was somewhat like, oh my God, we can get beachfront property. You know, just fell into their lap. So they got aggressive and they knew exactly like, well, we know the Texans are just waiting for him to fall there. That ain't going to happen. And he got kind of out-dueled by a guy that didn't even necessarily want the player. And didn't even, I mean, they wanted him, but they never, never thought in a million years he'd be there, and they don't even need him. They get, Dillard's not a starter right now, so it's just found money for them. I think that these players, and the guy that they ended up drafting instead of Dillard because Dillard was off the board, was this Alabama State tackle. Now yeah. granted, he went to the Senior Bowl or whatever. Is there a chance that he's been absolutely horrendous in practice? And Bill O'Brien goes, that mistake by our general manager, cost their their offensive line, I think, most people around the NFL thought it was worse than the NFL last year. I think Deshaun Watson got... Just killed. They might have led the league in sacks allowed, and I could see Bill O'Brien going to Hal McNair. You know, his dad died. I think within the last fiscal year, might have even died maybe during last season. Feels like. then the
1: fiscal year, huh? I've never heard that one. <laughs>
0: well, it's just like the football. Is that a write-off? Year, the league year? Yeah. <laughs> terrible, terrible joke. That's I apologize
1: to the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. RP. it's all the brittles.
0: And I and I could see this new owner. Anyone that's been around an older business owner. They can just be out of touch with certain things when they're just old. And this guy trying to kind of put his stamp on things, the more important guy is Bill O'Brien. And Bill just looks at him like, the, the players this guy just gave me from the draft are awful. And then maybe he starts digging in some shit, finds some of this guy's flaws. And again, the timing is beyond weird. But it feels like Bill O'Brien was the one. How can say whatever he wants in his release? It probably got him fired. Which...
1: Why would the, why, why would the owner fire him at this point? Of course, it's Bill. How who, could, who else could it be? Who else could it be? Shy of parking in the owner's parking spot out of defiance. Why would the owner fire the GM?
0: But I don't. Don't you also think there's a little bit? It's kind of a new age with the owners. A lot of these general managers are getting fired, pretty consistently. It used it to be don't. like maybe one a year. Now it feels like seven or eight GM jobs have come open the last five. Three years.
1: Now, That's not normal. No, but off the top, of my if I'm just shooting from the hip on this without looking at each one, aren't generally aren't those situations? It feels like GMs lose their jobs more so for a long track record of failure, or just there's a the coach there's the, the coach. Yeah, gets, they, they, they side the power, with the coach. They
0: lose a power struggle. Yeah, you know, it feels like the power the power struggle is typical.
1: And I understand right from an owner's perspective, which one? It's kind of easier if you to, to know what your coach is doing, because you watch his because you watch his work on the field. It's easier just to kind of know what he's doing. It's harder to know what your GM is doing.
0: Well, it's why a lot of people will tell you a You're lot of drafting,
1: GMs, but it's if he gets to draft the players and he can blame the coach.
0: You and I have had experience. With a lot of people listening, like the we always make fun of the middle manager. Well, the middle manager can kind of fly under the radar, right? Because it's kind of hard to quantify what they're doing. Now it's a little different because they have more juice. But if you just hit on a player or two, even your misses, they can kind of overcome it, right? And yeah. your teams just the other thing Brian Gain would would have said, we we made the playoffs. Did they win the division? They might have. Yeah, they hosted they hosted a playoff game guy against the Colts. They won, they won the division. So he goes, I'm the general manager. Of a division-winning team in a division where you go, we got a pretty good division, right? We got the Titans and we got the Colts. You could argue the AFC South top two or three division in football. The Jags a year ago were just in the AFC Championship game. Now they suck this year, but no one would argue they don't have a really good roster. It's just, it's a it's a high-level division, and they won it. Now I think O'Brien would say, "Of course we won it." I was coaching.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, to your point, I do think your theory about the game's changing a little for GMs is accurate, just in terms of leash. Um, And I think right now, if you're an offensive coach, like you are a primary target for an owner to hire, you are the most likely candidate to get a lot of power, an offensive coach, because you're the most likely guy to be in demand.
0: It feels like you're the only guy to get hired. Yeah, or that. And I know everything's cyclical. People always say that. I haven't lived long enough to, contr- you know, to like have like eight million examples. But it does feel like this offensive wave ain't slowing down anytime soon.
1: Yeah, like in our lifetime, baggy jeans haven't come back yet.
0: Yeah. But in our lifetime, just-
1: since baggy jeans in 1997, whatever year that, whatever year they, that's when I became really aware of them.
0: Jeans I have, have only gotten baggy. skinnier. I know. And they've gotten really skinny now. Well, now like there's there's nowhere for them to go tight. but baggier. No, you can't get any tighter.
1: And I'm not going back. I can't go back. I can't go past the you know the bagginess of what I've got in my closet right now.
0: What's the skinniest pair of jeans you own?
1: I don't know. How do I quantify that? I mean,
0: like, do you own like super super tight jeans?
1: <laughs> no, like calf huggers.
0: Yeah. No. I I bought recently. I mean, probably my tightest jeans yet. And they're they're not super tight, but they're on the tight side. Well,
1: I would say the the pair of jeans I wear the most are the tightest jeans I wear, but they're not. I don't think you'd look at them and go, "Oh, those are tight." I don't think you would notice them. They just look like, I think, I think they're what I thought adults were wearing in 1997 when I was like, "Look at these nerds."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it ain't come. You would back. wear skinny jeans? But there's a chance if rules change, defense could come back. But for the immediate future, it's clear that like like the podcast, it's not going away. Like we're never going to be well, – you can only listen to content on terrestrial radio. Like that is never changing. We're never going back. Could we go back to defense? Maybe, but you look at why are we more offensive heavy? Well, the rules keep dictating that and player safety. So it's not one day people are just going, oh, we don't care about CTE anymore, Right. So you go, Bill O'Brien, who also has a resume, I think three playoff bursts in five years. That's the other thing. Like, he does win. Now, he doesn't win the Super Bowl, but he's, he's a pretty good coach.
1: Does he get another GM? Like, if he keeps winning to the degree that he's winning.
0: was well, is, is there a chance that this next GM is kind of a fraud GM and he's just the personality? I thought guy? that's what this guy was. No, I think this guy was like a legitimate GM. It was just his hand-picked GM.
1: Well, yeah. But maybe if, if maybe he doesn't the, even want that. If that's the case, then uh, then the spotlight is on him.
0: Yeah, but he'd say, oh, well, fine, I win anyway. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'll be all right. Yeah, how- I, I agree if, with that. I agree. Here, here's the thing. Like, Hal McNair, you're going to fire him for who?
1: I just don't understand how... When you when he wins the power struggle with Rick Smith, or maybe is that really what happened? Or did Rick just gets sick, or whatever they do. I think
0: was. I think it was like his wife got sick. It was like That's a combination right. of things. I think his wife ended up passing, didn't she? Hmm. Not, uh, not, sure. Rough <laughs> no <laughs> <Ruffling. common. laughs> yeah, um, I, I think she died.
1: But I, I just, how did you not just give him his guy then? Like, who gets forced into anything when they're Die, already in a through, sad deal of this year?
0: Yeah. Man.
1: Oh, was there a story that Rick might come back? Didn't that story exist? Yeah, but then I time? think, like,
0: John McClane and people poo pooed that immediately. Like, Got no it. chance. Again, part of the reason he was sick, they did not get along at all, Rick and Bill. Like, that was not the marriage wasn't working, professional one between the two. So he legitimately went to take care of his wife slash hated Bill O'Brien. Yeah. This one. Give Bill O'Brien some credit; they kind of kept it under the radar, right? No one—this wasn't a drama, at least that was on the national scale of. Because those stories go go like pretty viral pretty fast when people hate each other. I, I don't think we'd heard anything.
1: Yeah, this one does feel. No, you're right. I would say this story just feels kind of old school. Where guys winning, not
0: championships, but just winning.
1: But there's always something going on, and usually these things, like everyone gets blown out within a couple of years now.
0: The draft, the draft went bad for him. Like I would say, of all the people that got shit for the draft, was he got the most because he got a guy they really wanted and really needed was falling right to him, and all he had to do was probably give up like a fourth round pick to move up two spots, and didn't. You and sure- then got play, and then got played by the smarter GM. Yeah.
1: So Bill O'Brien went full Kobe.
0: Can't play with him, Mitch. Yeah. How am I supposed to win these motherfuckers? What, what was his exact quote?
1: It was pretty good. It was pretty good.
0: All right, time for
1: McGlinchey. Let's do it. Mike McGlinchey, 49er star, right? Star tackle?
0: Uh, ascending right tackle.
1: St- ascending star. Shooting ascending star. star. But not the kind of star that burns out. Future Hall of Fame or too bold, too fast? Uh, bold, but I do think one thing we were I really enjoyed about this, we'll t- we can talk about it after, is just how focused the guy is like well I'll wait for the rest of my comments but here we go Haberman and Middlecoff sitting down at Levi's Stadium last week with 49ers right tackle Mike McGlinchey Mike McGlinchey all right Mike John and I were talking about something that's been taking the world by storm here recently okay and we kind of think it's bullshit that not until the quarterbacks got involved in all the beer chugging did this become a thing that became really popular yeah
2: well I mean it's kind of been a little – a subtle trend for, like, a couple of years now. I think the first team to do it was the the uh, Titans O-line. If you remember a couple of years ago, they did that yeah, crazy – Playoff s- hockey yeah, game. Yeah. They, they did that crazy thing with the fish and Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Taylor's a crazy guy. So, he uh, he had a lot of fun with that. And I remember asking him about it when we were training together this year. Um, but, uh, no, I, I we all were kind of talking that if we ever ha- – if we have the opportunity, that's kind of – what the trend has been in the league. I, every playoff basketball or hockey game that NFL guys are at, especially O linemen, they they gotta do something along those lines and we decided to try and take it up a little bit.
0: But it feels like the quarterbacks and you yeah, do not so understand to be
2: get... that. they – like they're, they're not really not really mean – I mean. Everybody can chug a beer. Right? <laughs> I'm saying, I think what you did. Mean, college, right? yeah. you know, I mean, we're Silicon Valley year at college, right? You waterboarded that. beers with a hockey jersey. <laughs> yeah, well, that was. Kind of, it wasn't supposed to be a full blown waterboard. Um, it was. It was kind of supposed to be a tribute to TJ Oshi, like when he used to do the oh, yeah. the thing. But he normally just poured it to his mouth, and we had you know five or six guys jumping on the train, so it got a little sloppy. But I smelled pretty bad after, for the second and third period of that one. And then Bakhtiari is a barrier guy. So oh, yeah, like well, Yeah, that was impressive. That was like a back-to-back-to-back. To back to back, like back, I will give Dave credit because that kind of carbonation three times in a row is pretty impressive. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he better have given his QB shit the next day because that was a poor performance. Jimmy could hang, couldn't he? Jimmy for sure could hang. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy's more of a tequila guy, though. So, yeah. it's he, get I dangerous. Yeah. Like
0: Mike McGlinchy's on a boat summer fourth of july like how many could you could you throw them down like i mean you're enormous 18
2: beers yeah um if you're like eating hot dogs and burgers, yeah you, you could probably food. do something like that we're we, i've gone on a hard train of white claws recently <laughs> you know i for uh they are pretty good they are delicious and they're so refreshing um but me and uh our equipment staff
0: we're trying to get them on yeah, board as a sponsor actually but I've been me, actively yeah well out.
2: me too i mean hell Um uh, might but need to our, use you as my conduit. Yeah, our, uh, our equipment guys were like real into them, and we've been hanging out. We hang out all the time on the weekends, and I go over to their house to, you know, have, we a steak Sunday and stuff like that. And White Claw has just become the drink of choice. So
1: yeah, May twenty-sixth, you tweeted, "I love at White Claw." Yeah, that was a Memorial Day ad. weekend drunk tweet. You know, <laughs> I was, I was, I was how many
2: White Claws in? Quite a few. They're not that big. They're no, kind twelve slimmer. like a little twelve ounce slim glass. Yeah, they're but they're they're so easy to drink, man. They just keep going down.
0: Well, you know, I was actually there, and we do we talk a lot about the Raiders too. So the barrier, the the coin flip, at the time around here was a really big deal because a lot of people thought, like, that's going to be Roquan Smith.
2: or Yeah, or Derwin James yeah, or somebody or whoever. somebody a lot cooler than me. Not <laughs> anyone was saying
0: Mike McGlinchey because all we yeah. talked about was the greatest guard ever to come out your teammate, but right. we weren't talking McGlinchey. Well, it turns yeah. out that that coin flip – literally would have been you because the other team also really wanted a right tackle
2: yeah like you that that coin flip determined Mike McGlinchey's life yeah which side of the bay I was living on for the first but you was... would have had to
0: been moving to Vegas in a year
2: yeah it would have been a tough one I would have been that would have been a little out of control but uh no did you I... have any idea when that coin flip did you even think about it no I because I really had no idea I was coming to the Niners um did I you had... think
0: you were top 10 pick
2: uh, I, yeah, I, you know, obviously everybody thinks they're a top 10 pick, right? But, but, like, no, but you on that? that, on draft day, um, I was playing, I brought in my best friends from college and my brothers and my cousins. We went out to play golf that yeah. day just to try and, you know, cool out and not think about anything. And my agent called me while I was on the course and said, Hey, it's going to be Oakland. If you're, if you're there at 10, <laughs> it's going to be Oakland. That's and wild, I, man. And so, uh, I was, I was, I told my mom, she was a little upset because, she, the last thing she wanted me to do was come all the way to the West Coast. But, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, 10 minutes before they picked, uh, I got a call from John Lynch. They kept it really close to the vest because I only had a 15-minute interview with them at the combine, and that was about it. I read they canceled the personal workout. They did, yeah. So it was either uh, come to me or somebody else who was uh, a lot closer in distance, and I guess they had figured me out enough. Yeah. to the point where they didn't need to put me through 20 minutes worth of drills and fly to South Bend, Indiana in the middle of March. I know
0: John said that he thought, that like, your personal – and I've been in those combine interviews. I mean, they're so fast. Yeah. He said you blew them away. Did you leave there thinking, like,
2: crushed it? Or just like, God, that went really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I kind of had that feeling for most of them. I, I, I would say all of them. You know, I know how to talk football. I know how to be a, a – you know. Portray who I am and, yeah. and be normal and genuine, just, a bunch of dudes and just genuine. Yeah, that's all you have to do is be a genuine. <laughs> that's show that, who you. It's, it's really as as daunting as those fifteen minute interviews are. They are really easy. It's it's fifteen minutes to show how much you know and love football and what kind of person you are. And if you can be genuine, it's it, you can you can kind of capture that because apparently there's not a lot of genuine people I there guess, uh,
1: <laughs> So you didn't wear a three piece suit.
2: No, I was wearing my you know I was wearing the combine issued. Shirt and t-shirt, you know, I, I'd seen, I'd asked my agent, Hey, should I like, you know, dress up for these interviews? And I was like, and then he's like, as an O-lineman, no, like the more you want to show people that you don't, all you care about is, is talking about football and not looking the part.
0: When I was with the Eagles, we used to call that a go-to con move because yeah you're trying like to they, fool they, people yeah, yeah they yeah, give yeah. you the suit everyone's wearing it's yeah, not yeah, a you're yeah, not, it's not a dress yeah, yeah. Up. so
2: I just yeah everybody wore the same uniform and that's what you come in with you come in with the I think it was under armor was our colors were weird it was like a it was like a uh, maroon and black kind of thing it was a different color scheme for a big guy to be wearing but it's our uniform for that week yeah
1: is it true like now that you're coming into your second year in the league like I hear people say this a lot. Like for rookies, the difference between year one and year two, one of the things is that you spend all, all this time, this build-up to year one, mm-hmm. not being on a team, just right. practicing to be on a team and flying all over the. You country. You don't even
2: really practice to be on a team. Um, for the most part, you're practicing to, the, to for the combine, which, you know, in hindsight, I wish I would have just kept training as like I always trained instead of worrying. I I wound up not running a forty. I wound up not doing any of, like the field running track athlete stuff and you know all, all it really matters for especially for my position is just playing football and just playing O line and um you know I I think that uh year one you spend especially in my position you know receivers and stuff it's all good and you get to train to run fast and but I don't I'm not running fast I, I'm training to be strong and to be physical and you don't do that for the you know four or five months of rookie training you're, you're you're doing like the track workouts and you know stuff that's just not in your your realm of comfortableness and um year two is a lot easier you, or, or for most guys you, you 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 can't go into the sophomore slump or whatever they call it you gotta you can't take your foot off the gas pedal um everything is is you have to keep stacking days stacking years stacking games you know all that whole deal um, but it, it makes it a lot easier when you know a playbook, when you're, you've done the, the things that you needed to do beforehand. And um, last year, you know, I only got like eight practices or whatever before I even before I s- took over the starting job in camp. And that's a pretty daunting task for your first year. So you feel like you're swimming a lot and, and drowning a little bit as a rookie at times. But, um, you know, now having a whole year of experience and going up against the best competition – you know that you can do it and it makes things a lot easier.
0: Do you feel – because, like, I was playing golf on Sunday with a bunch of Niner fans. I was like, I think I'm talking McGlinchy next week. They're like, oh, he's basically Joe Staley 2.0. <laughs> like, you're just considered <laughs> – like, in funny, but also in, like, they just view you as a good – like, this guy's going to be one of our well, stalwarts for yeah, years. Like, there's – people a, view like Mike McGlinchy's going to be a Niner for a long time.
2: Well, that's a that's a great compliment. Yeah. Um, but do you, you know, feel
0: that like everyone's kind of looking at you? you like no, I hope
2: that's what the, I, yeah, that's all I can ever hope for. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a loyal guy almost to a fault at times. And I don't, I, I've never, you know, I understand the business aspect of it, but I don't like bouncing around teams. I, I like to wear one color and one name on my chest. And, and that's, uh, that's what I want to do. I want to be a Niner for as long as they'll let me be one or as long as I can still physically play. And, um, you know, I hope it's a great compliment to be, you know, mentioned in the same breath as Joe Staley. He's, you know, hopefully one day I can elevate my game to be that because I think every and everybody here knows that he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. And um, if I can, if I can follow in those footsteps, that's not a Did bad Rudy deal. Did Rudy
0: teach you that mindset?
2: Rudy? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I figured <laughs> I know who Rudy Rudiger is. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, um, how many times do you address the team over your career? Uh, Ever? Actually Never. You meet him? Uh, ever? I met him once. Yeah, I met him once, um, but never never addressed the team. Um, you know, but that movie, there's like a like how I mean, like, there's like a Catholic. I mean, is he me? Like how big is he's, he? He's 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 a he's a tiny guy. Was he uh, defensive end? Really? Uh, that's or was what that just that's the what movie? the movie said. I don't really know what the factual. Uh, he got the sack. Yeah, well, in the movie, apparently he was offsides. Um, <laughs> But no, that like we there's like a Catholic TV channel on the cable at like you plug into your dorm room wall, yeah, and it's uh, r- normally it's it's like Sunday Mass will come on from the Basilica at Notre Dame, and then the other 22 hours is all just Rudy on repeat.
1: So how many times do you think you, is that the movie you've seen the most in your life? No,
2: I I probably have, I you know it's it you don't get to you don't watch it as much when you're in college, you know you, you're right there you're seeing all the buildings every time and all that stuff, but. I you know, I still pop it on every now and again. Like it was an option on a long plane ride last year for one of our away trips and I plugged it on just to get a little you know, the chills of walking down South Bend again, <laughs> you know. You know <laughs> you what know, just
1: reminded me is Middlecoff and I lived together for a while okay. in college and we had didn't we have a play like a champion today yeah, signed? I, I I ordered it. Yeah. I well, love it. You I, had the real one. I have one I have one We of hit my, it every I mean have like, yeah, the it. real one. I hit
2: it. Uh, you're for your four year starter? Uh yeah, but I was there for five, so I I started forty games. So 40 times as a starter, 12 times the year before that. And uh, you know, about you know, I probably hit that like 60 60 times. I mean, times that was one on of my most chair
0: I mean, I paid like 30 bucks by the yeah, love
2: that. I, I have one in my house now. It's badass. I bought one for my my house out here. When was the last time you hit it? Uh the spring game. I was back there for the spring game and I I had you have to go down the tunnel every time you're there, you know. It's 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 one of the is coolest. that just
0: because the locker room comes forces well, you that yeah, way. Well, yeah, but y- you just as a player. Yeah, as a
2: player, if, you, if you're in the locker room, that's the way you're getting out of the stadium. Yeah. You know, if you've been there um, every time I went down, it didn't get old; it never did. Um, every time I went down from the day the first game is against Temple at home in 2013 on Labor Day weekend, and then my last time at uh, against um, Navy when I was a, when it was Senior Day, my fifth year doesn't get old man it's a uh, it's chills every single time that's a pretty on that. special place to say i play it is football no yeah game. it is uh it's one of those it's one of the coolest things i've ever done yeah. and it will be for the rest of my life do
1: you think back to we were talking about joe staley earlier like once upon a time i think we always talked about tackles like eventually they've got to move to left tackle but mm-hmm. do you feel like the game has changed to a point that you could yeah play i don't right think tackle? it matters
2: at all anymore um I, I like literally at all i think um both right and left tackles, it's not like the old days where the, you know, the big slug would go over to right tackle and then the more athletic pass blocker would go to left. Um, if in today's NFL, if you aren't athletic enough to, play, to protect on the edge, you're not going to do it regardless of what side you're playing. Um, I know last year um, our opponents, nine times out of ten, the better or the more respected name – was normally on my side yeah so, Cleo Mack Vaughn yeah, Miller so Cleo, Mac, like? yeah and then the guys like obviously Aaron Donald will move all over yeah. the damn place but um JJ Watt was playing on my side when we were down in Houston D. Ford, or, yeah, practice, right yeah well yeah geez <laughs> that's that's a new battle every day um but yeah so it, the, the most premier pass rushers are still coming off the right side so um, if I can't protect I'm not going to be in the league very long so it's the same position the only thing that's different is body mechanics
0: well, you're a Philly guy. I mean, Lane Johnson feels like he's going to play left yeah, I mean, right tackle his whole career.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lane was picked fourth overall to just to play right tackle, yeah. and obviously, people know um, the value of that. The Niners do. They picked me in the top ten to play left tackle or to play right tackle. Um, I don't know what the plan is. It feels I, like that stigma's just gone. Yeah, no. I it, mean, it, just in it, general. I mean, it's it's not though. There there are still people. Like, Your agent's like, wait. No, I remember. <laughs> Prague, <he's laughs> I remember. I remember um, when I was coming out. That was like the dig. Like I was like, I don't know if he's ever going to be an eventual left tackle. I think he's a right tackle because, and I'm like, what the hell's the difference? I, I, you know, I've done both at college, and it was the same on both sides in college. I know it's going to be the same in the NFL. It's the way the game's played anymore. It's not, it's not the same style anymore. But that was that was like the one thing that everybody was like making negative of me is always oh, a run blocker first, and so he's going to be a right tackle his whole life. And I, I don't know where that narrative started, but it was pretty dumb
0: you know your first game you obviously started right tackle against one of the premier defensive lines just defense in the
2: league yeah in by about
0: middle of which was nuts doing the skull they were just yeah. coming off the it's cool place champ. to play yeah, yeah. I can imagine that Very place was cool. awesome yeah by midway through the game is that
2: McGlinchey at,
0: at guard yeah it was a pain in the <laughs> and eyes. I think I've seen you say you had never played guard
2: before, no I had never played guard I'd never I um I don't think I even did it at high school. I think that was the one position. Like, I, I had center snaps in high school because our – you know, I went to a school with, like, 30 guys on our varsity and JV teams. So, whenever somebody went down, I was just the yeah. guy that needed well, – McGlinchey, just yeah, play both. Yeah, just figure it out. Yeah, just <laughs> Four-man line. Out. Yeah. McGlinchey, well, <laughs> well, you're going to play guard. Well, it was kind title. of one of those things, like, all right, well, we trust you to kind of figure it out. And, um,
0: How did the call come in from the huddle? Like, hey, move Mike to – Well, it was a down.
2: halftime deal. when I The only time I ever played center, our, our center went down with a concussion because he was playing defense too. And they're like, Mike, I don't think anybody else can snap the ball and move at the same time, so figure it out. And I was like, okay. So I took a couple snaps at halftime, we figured it out, and it worked out. Um, but, no, I never played guard. And I certainly didn't do it at a high level. Um, and in the NFL – But you lot, held
0: your own in that game, though.
2: Uh, you know, I did, well, didn't really like what was going on on film, but, it, you know, we got through it. And, it, it's, if you know, my team needed me to do it that day, so I did it. And uh, I don't prefer it. <laughs> don't get me wrong, I, I want to stay on the outside, but um, – it was, it was a fun experience, if, if anything.
1: All right. got to uh, get you out of here in a minute, so let's just go ham. We like to just go a little speed round. Okay. Some quick questions. Uh, and actually, I'll start. I was going to ask you this anyway, but I remember before the Falcon Super Bowl, seeing Kyle and your cousin Matt Ryan do a thing, trying to say play calls back and forth. Yeah. So finish this sentence, because I don't remember the rest of this play call. I think it was something like, exit the east right nasty.
2: Bunch right nasty three jet Y water HGO or something. I I don't know. I you know what the cool thing about it O-line, need to listen to I need one. A, one number and one word. And so, so in it that tells play, me the direction it tells me it tells me one direction and the protection. So, you know, three jet is what it'll tell me which side to go and and what our protection mechanics are, and that's about it.
0: Loudest Brian Kelly's ever yelled at you.
2: Oh, uh I think when I, I had, like, a weird thing my fourth year at Notre Dame that um, I like had, like, the yips with jumping off sides, and I did it probably, like, the sixth time of the year or something like that, and it was early in the season, and it was already, like, my sixth penalty, and he came over and got all that, you know, the red Irish face yeah. that he's got going, and, you know, that was nothing compared to what Harry Heastan used to do. So I, I could listen to BK yell at me all day. That's nothing.
1: All right, call it in the air. Tails, Niners, uh, heads, Raiders. Heads. Ah, you're a Raider.
2: Ah, well, good thing I'm not anymore. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. Mike.
1: Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike McGlinchey. That was fun. (laughs) Woo! Uh, uh, Ah, you know what? Like two things about Mike. Uh, The like when he was talking about his draft interview with the Niners, combine interview, and his thing was, I I'll, I'll just go in there and be me, which is talk about how much I love football. Like I, you do get this, just I'm, just really I he he comes off really competitive. I think he clearly is really competitive, and he clearly loves playing football. Um, and so I think it's a it's it to me it makes me feel good about. Uh, him continuing to improve over these early years of his career, I think he's going to keep getting better because of that.
0: I was thinking today, I, I or I guess if you're listening to this, it might be Monday, watching the video that we did, basically the same interview, I just had the iPad up, and he said that you know, the, obviously the Raiders wanted him. And we had known that, but he even said that one thing he mentioned was that the Raiders had told his agent in the middle of the day, we're going to take him at 10. And I was just thinking today at the gym this is when my brain just gets rolling sometimes, like when I'm on the little stair stepper. And is it not – It's Gruden and Lynch both fell in love with the guy, probably at the combine, right? You meet this guy, you're like, that's the fucking guy I want because he comes off as the total package. One, he he walks in the room. Immediately you go, NFL player. Two, you watch the tape. You go, really good player. So he looks the part, plays the part. Then you meet him in an offensive lineman. You go, this guy is like a perfect balance of. He's sharp, but he's kind of an old-school tough badass. But he's also just the kind of guy you want to hang with. And you just leave. We were around him 20 minutes. So you just leave. You're like, that's a 14-year pro. <laughs> I mean, that's just – well, that guy ain't yeah, If
1: he's not a career 49er, I'll be surprised, right?
0: 100%. Like, if he stays healthy, he's going to be there – one of the stalwart players on their team for the for the long future. And think of the two guys that liked him, John Lynch and John Gruden. They really wanted him. And I think the 49ers, now they didn't necessarily care if the Raiders, like what the Raiders did, but they didn't necessarily want it out either, who they liked, because if the Raiders liked him, they, maybe they'd jump him. And it never got out. I mean, even McGlinchey's like, I had no clue. One of the stories was that they canceled mm-hmm. the private workout right, you know, like a couple weeks before the the draft. So the Raiders probably thought this guy's going to fall right into our lap, the guy we want. I, wouldn't you pay to get video of the Raiders' draft room when it's announced? It's actually announced to the Raiders before it gets announced to television. When the guy, whoever's looking at that deal, goes, "Coach, uh, they took Mike McGlinchey." And remember, they were kind of in scramble mode then, right? Because they ended up doing a deal. We ended we crushed. Just gave a third round pick to move back five spots. I think that screwed them. Now, in fairness to the Raiders, you couldn't have done any recon to know this because the Niners didn't tell a soul. So I, I don't blame them for thinking we're just going to get Mike McGlinchey. And they didn't, because at the time you'd go, why would the Niners take Mike McGlinchey? They got Trent Brown and they got Joe Staley. The- and then who would And then like a 24 hours yeah, later, Trent Brown was on the Patriots. Was-
1: it probably felt like for them, it probably was hard for them to...
0: Was that the beginning of the end Well, was it might the have been of the very similar Reggie?
1: to what you were talking about earlier in the podcast with the Texans, right? Like, hey, your job is to know the values.
2: Yeah, your
0: And your job is to know what other teams think. Like, that's... I hate to say it, but you got to be kind of a little scout, you know? And it's kind of a media whore. That's where being friends with the media is a big deal. Like, when you're good friends with Schefter... He can tell you something he's heard. It's just a bartering. Hey, I'll give you this. Here's who we kind of like talk about this guy. Even you could even be lying, but give think, us what you're hearing. And that that no, is. And not I also Rage think Steve.
1: if they wanted to move ahead of the Niners, it was going to be tough because the Bears were the bear.
0: Well, huh? I don't think it happens. Yeah, don't because like the Bears weren't
1: going to move back behind the Niners because maybe, well, maybe the Niners take uh, Roquan. The the Bills weren't. The Bills moved up to get Josh Allen. The Colts were taking Quentin Nelson. Yeah. So you weren't. It was you weren't going to be able to do it. Who went? Who went from chapter to the Broncos?
0: this is a hell of a draft. The Browns. Before that, Darnold, Baker, and Saquon. I mean, doesn't that look like a pretty good top ten? We'll see. I mean, Rosen turned out to be a good player. That's a pretty. It that yeah. looks like a really good draft. I mean, Durwin James. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame the Raiders at all. It's just I think both me and you, when he said it, it really is crazy. And we talked about it at the time, but it's – that coin flip determined one player. Both the teams wanted that one player. That was a huge coin flip. I also thought about it today when I, when I just went back and thought about McGlinchey's thought. That if the Raiders had won the coin flip, they just take – Mike McGlinchey at nine, what do the Niners do? Do they take Derwin James at 10? Do they take Mika Fitzpatrick at 10? Do they – I have a hard time seeing them do that deal with the Cardinals. Like, I'm not giving a team in my division a franchise quarterback and only getting back a third-round pick to move back five slots. Like, the Cardinals would have had to give a better deal than that for the Niners to do an in-division deal I just I can't see them doing that with the Raiders. It was like whatever it's the Cardinals. But if you're gonna do a deal with the in uh, interdivision rival, sorry, rival strong, but a uh, interdivision team and and a quarterback to right. me, you gotta give me something. Yeah. Right? So maybe they do do that deal with the Cardinals, but it might cost them a second rounder instead of the third, right? And then they go to 15, and maybe then they take Duran James 15 because he ended up going I think what like 17. That could go down. It was like the best pick in the draft. And he got him a 17. Great draft. Great draft. Good
1: pod. Monday Night Basketball,
0: John. Really quick, I got, a one, quick really quick, I got a one quick take. It hit me this morning. You watch any of Rafa no. this morning? You missed the French Open. He just well, won it again. No big deal, 12. he beat Djokovic? Yeah. No, he beat some guy that he called a warrior that's going to win soon. He's some younger guy. But it hit me, guy. And I don't have the answer for this. But my, but I was thinking, what do you think is the more difficult conquest, winning a tennis major or winning a golf major? I don't know. Um, I would say the
1: I think I thought I think about it a lot. With tennis and the main is you, di- just, you play individual matches against one person.
0: Yeah, you your draw dictates a lot of where so you go.
1: Right, you might play somebody who's off that day or has a wrist injury, or maybe, you know, you're better on clay than them. Like, Roth is great on clay, right?
0: Oh, he's won so, 12 French Opens.
1: Like, there's all those other factors. Whereas, you don't need... One person has a bad day, that doesn't help you on a golf tournament.
0: Because you're playing the entire field. Here is the one interesting part, though, with tennis. Is that... Someone texted or tweeted me a stat that... Basically, 90% of the tennis majors over the last 15 years have come between the three guys, Rafa, Djokovic, and Federer. So to win a major, you have to take down one of the three best players of all time. Where in golf, like, Tigers hurt and a bunch of people are off. I I, I see well, arguments I for I do both. think it's almost two different things, go, right? Well, is,
1: it easy to, is it easier to have one individual great that wins everything? In, in tennis, yeah, the answer is yes, because those are one-on-one matches. So it's harder for, like, I think the question is kind of like, which one is harder for the 20th best player? Well, that's clearly tennis.
0: Well, okay. th- this I found the tweet. There are random pros. Here's what's the guy's point. There are random pros who win golf majors all the time. True. I believe 53 out of the last 60 Grand Slams were won by Nadal, Federer, and Djokovic. And then a guy responded to that. Great conversation I got going here. Golf is a more popular sport so there's just more competition. So you could argue well one of the reasons that only three guys win it there aren't as many young kids coming up the pipe like it's harder to win a golf major in the sense that there's just more talent in a, like any golf major field there are more elite players than in any tennis major field. Now there might be the better at the top like the equivalent of these three guys are basically Tiger Jack and like and like Nick Faldo playing all at the same time, right? But you go but all these other guys, if, I don't know their names. Where in golf, if Rory McIlroy beats Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka, and Tiger uh, next Sunday, you go, shit, I mean, they got combined 25 majors between the four of them, right? Uh, that might even be a low number. Well, Dustin's only got one, so yeah, Tiger's got 18. Like a- you know if, what I'm
1: saying. If you're the 20th best player in the world, it's harder to win tennis. It, right, but if you're one of the best players, it's easier to be dominant at that sport
0: than golf. Because you, you really don't even play the whole field. Well, because like you may get a guy that turns out would have been a tough draw for you, but you may never yeah, play Yeah, I mean, even right? if we've
1: made golf match play, that's still really hard because you're not playing against the... You're not, you don't get to just dominate the other person. You just hit your shots, they hit their shots. Right? Like, you don't get to deke somebody or you, set them up or hit a ball over their head or...
0: Yeah, I, I think it depends. Like, if you told me... To win the French Open or the U.S. Open in tennis, and on that major championship for that individual tennis player, he beat Nadal, Federer, just like head to head, and Djokovic. You go, well, it doesn't get any. If you beat all three of them, it'd be like that's, that's as good as it gets. Because you could argue in a major, let's say, tigers off, a bunch of guys miss the cut. You know, it's it might have been easier on that individual major. But I would say on the whole, winning a golf major, just given the competition, is much more difficult. Now, an individual major in tennis, if you had to go through all three of them, or you could even argue two of the three of them, would be an incredible accomplishment, especially if you had to beat like one in the semis and one in the finals mm-hmm. where just a lot's on the line. Because for the most part, we always want it in golf. Like, I bet everyone's hoping. Like, I hope Tiger coming down the stretch and Rory and Brooks are all tied. Well, we know the likelihood of that, even if Tiger were to win the major, is highly unlikely. It'll be like Tiger, Webb Simpson, and like Rory's a couple back. But it's never, they're not all tied. I mean, just look at the the Masters, right? It was Tiger and Molinari, which was still sweet, but if you could choose, you would have rather had to be Tiger and Phil. It's just—it's never usually the matchup you want. Where in tennis, you like Federer plays Nadal, it feels like every semis, right? Or every finals. Where in golf, you don't really get the head-to-head as much, even though you technically are going head-to-head. Because right. I have to beat you to win it. We just might not be playing together, or you may be three or four shots off, but I still have to hold you off. It's probably not even comparable, though if you were going to try to compare them, I, I, I'm pretty confident that golf would be more difficult, while they're both incredibly difficult.
1: Yeah, but again, I, you think could argue tennis is, basically I think a lot of possible it's, if you're not a lot at the all time question. Like golf is easier to win if you're the twentieth best player. But Yeah. I think it's harder to be dominant
0: at. Do you think would you would you imagine if you did a study, more people play golf than play tennis competitively? Competitively? I don't know. I think there's a lot of it, Yeah, yeah.
1: In this Well like every every country. college is a tennis team, yeah. right?
0: Every college is a golf team.
1: There's a lot of golf. I think, I see a lot of tennis going on too. But that's what I'm saying. World, probably tennis. Like, like I was saying to my dad, is have you ever? Like I've been to Israel several times. I've never seen a golf course. Driving the roads, never seen one. Not a big country. Not a lot of extra land. They farm. How many, Jews on the tour? how many Jews on the tour? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think many, right? Yeah, I don't think many. Right? I don't think Jewish. No. Leishman? Leishman? Could be, I guess, but I, no. Where's Leishman from? It sounds
0: like it could be Jewish. Yeah, right. yeah, I think. He, yeah, I think. he's from like New Zealand.
1: I don't know. I don't know if we have a.
0: Why? I think you'd have to do like a deep dive. You'd probably have to just if you just did it just based on the states. Like if I went to every, every Pac-12 them, school. Is Jewish? Their number one or two tennis players are going to be really good. Their number one or two golfers at like USC, UCLA, Cal, whatever, are going to be really good. But it does feel like the number one golfer on the Cal or Stanford team is more likely to be a decent pro than the number one tennis player on the Cal or Stanford team. Even though that Cal or Stanford tennis player might be like a top ten player in the country, right? So it just feels like – and maybe this is just more based on America. It's hard. I I don't have a better feel for internationally where we're just not producing as many pros. I mean we aren't, right? Where We are producing a ton. Also like Ireland – Now, South Africa, some of these other countries are also producing a ton of golf. So there's just more competition probably than ever. Like, I I wonder if we're ever going to have like another Sampras or Agassi. All things are cyclical. It doesn't necessarily feel like that. I hope we do. That'd be cool. But we've got a pretty long time, like probably like 15 plus years now. Like, we hope for Andy Roddick, he didn't really get close, you know? Like, it does feel like we're... We'd be more likely to get, like, another Tiger. Maybe not, like, you know, a half-black guy to be a dominant golfer, but just, like, some guy that wins 10 majors by the time he's 35. You know, he's just like this this dude from, like, Texas or Cal or SC right. or something. This is incredible. Than we are to, like, this guy's Rafael Nadal from from Georgia. You know, just doesn't feel like it's happening. No. I thought that was oh, a yeah. good sports okay. question by myself. So, was there a
1: conclusion? Did the did the internet tell you what the answer was? I know what you said yours is, but
0: it, it felt like a lot of people thought golf. But I, I I think people like tennis fans were adamant for the tennis because of how hard it was for anyone not being yeah. one of the yeah, big I, three to I win. Them. You know, like you're basically like playing the equivalent of the Warriors that they also had like Shaq in his prime. Like you just can't beat them. It's like statistically shown, like they don't lose. Like, this guy today, just I, I watched, like, the last two sets. Clearly, he's really good. He didn't have a number next to his name, so he's kind of a lower-ranked guy playing Nadal. And Nadal kind of kicked the shit out of him. Like, it looked like this guy's in the finals of the French Open. So, clearly, he's rattled off some wins getting there and been probably on top of the world. And Nadal beat the living piss out of him. Like, the guy could barely win a set, guy. I mean, he could—or, I guess, a point. Yeah, he, he struggled to get points. Like, it was, like, 6-1— Seven three, games, like it was just, it was with games. ass whoop. Yeah, games, where this guy clearly is playing as good of tennis as probably five people in the world, and Nadal whooped his ass. And then I checked Nadal. I'm like, God, this guy's coming down the home stretch of his life. You know, he's probably like 38. I check, he's younger than me. I'm like Jesus Christ, this feels like he's been around forever, and he has because remember when he first started winning in like the mid 2000s, he was like 19. But I'm watching the day, thinking like, God, this guy's like Peyton Manning of tennis. <laughs> no, he's not. He's 33 years old. Because Federer has 20 majors and he has 18. Like, why – like, he's only 33, so he could win the French Open a couple more times. Why couldn't he? And Federer's kind of shot now. Could he pass Federer? Yeah. Because he just wins this tournament every year. Like, he always wins the French Open. Could. So, I kind of lean – I'm kind of convincing myself it might be tennis because well, you just can't beat one of these guys unless put, you are one. Of if those you
1: look at it a different way, this guy's won this major twelve times. So if you say, it shouldn't be that it so shouldn't be that easy, right? Yeah, depending whose perspective you're looking at it from,
0: you might have to ask your wife. But is that is like the clay slippier? slipperier, slippery, yeah, slippy? Looks like it's Slippier? There's, There's nothing wild. like on clay court when the dude. When the dude uh, dives and he does like the snow angel, and then he I gets up and he's got clay all over, him.
1: Hit, hit the brakes, slide, keep sliding after they've hit the shot. That's my favorite move, like they're on a skateboard. All right,
0: yeah, it's pretty sweet. It has to be one time like where a guy hit like a uh, solid ground and just like breaks an ankle. Yeah, where was you the? You know fun? the clay doesn't give. It's kind of dry or something, and just rolls it. <laughs> okay, clay, keep hitting up White yeah, Claw. Yeah, Promo keep code Ham.
1: Them. All right.